Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of State of the Art. And if you've been following along uh, with this month's theme, we've been talking to different artists associated in, broadly speaking, environmental arts. And uh, today I'm really excited to be here at the Headlands Center for the Arts as we speak with Mary O'Brien and Daniel McCormick, the artist duo behind Watershed Sculpture, a collaborative art initiative which uh, is tackling environmental issues with remedial art installations. So welcome to the show, Mary and Daniel. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited to be um, sitting here in your studio. It's beautiful up here in the Marin Headlands for anybody who knows it. Um, But yeah, I wanted to kick off and just kind of ask you guys. So, you know, generally we've been talking to people across this this wide um, spectrum of environmental art, um, but going through your portfolio and your work... Uh, it seems like you guys would be most closely aligned to sort of eco art within that within that genre. Um, is this something that you identify as? Do you guys identify your art as eco art? And can you explain a little bit about what that might be? If so, I'll take that. Well, so we actually don't use the word eco art. Um, it's a environmental art. We consider a, a huge umbrella uh, under that land art. Um, ecological art, remedial art. We find ourselves somewhat in the, the latter part of that, although inspired by land artists. Yeah, early land artists. Yeah, uh, Daniel studied with one of the early land artists, James Terrell. Um, uh, we're very familiar with Smithson, uh, their work. Um, uh, ours is, is uh, out of that tradition, um, a bit different. We we look at the land um, as somewhat the palette of the work that we do. Um, it, it, it is meant to engage with the land rather than place something on it or decorate it or document it. We we felt um, somewhat at it uh, early part in this practice that our work really did need to go beyond just documenting or just bringing awareness. Um, and uh, that's where we in- engage actually with problematic situations or uh, uh, issues that uh, need attention. And, and that's where we find a lot of the um, science and conservation information that informs our work. Well, that about doesn't. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay, that's number no, one. No, <laughs> uh, no I, it, I, you know, it is. It's, it's underneath a large umbrella. We really don't identify with um, the being called eco artists. Sure, you sure. know, uh, we we understand that that really means ecological. Uh, our work has a biological trajectory. Uh, it probably falls closer into remediation. Uh, but it's really restorative, and uh, to call it restorative art is an uncomfortable kind of term for us. So um, we are really coming at it from uh, unusual angles, and uh, we'll talk about those yeah. That, yeah. That, that can support the idea that uh, we're – I guess under the umbrella of environmental artists, we're activists and uh, and practitioners. I think anytime uh, we're, we're restorationists. Yeah, I think anytime you nickname something, it, it's easily passed over. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's troublesome with a lot of artists that um, that you know people want to grab what they do and you know define it for themselves and a lot of artists want to define their own work so yeah, yeah. that's that's where we we sit with that but um 
What are influenced by uh, uh, several several artists in that category? Uh, Melchin, uh, and there are several others that uh, it's been around. It's been around, but it yeah. it, it, it yeah. really got its uh, identity in, in the uh, oh when we were coming of age in the sixties. The uh, the establishment of the. Uh, 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 Environmental Protection Agency, the Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act. Uh, there were, you know, uh, over half a dozen of those acts that were implemented then. And the Great Lakes were being polluted. And what kind of world do we live in? And how do we respond to this as, you know, as citizens? I mean, we were pretty young, young at the time, but, but that's when you make your decisions, what you're going to do with your life or what you're interested in. Yeah. Um, you know, young people, we were teenagers, we grew up different parts of the country, but young people, um, you know, back then didn't have a specific awareness of what's happening to the environment because a lot of it looked okay <laughs> until, until you know, we started to become aware of the legislation that they're passing. Oh, yeah. We don't have clean air. We don't have clean water. What? So you start to realize if, you, you know, I grew up in suburbia, you kind of grew up in suburbia, you know, when you get out into the real world and you find that we're in big trouble and we're legislating it. Um, it must be serious. Yeah. And right. I, I and actually, then it, then it all came out in publications and these incidences that you could see the, uh, you could see the garbage of New York City from outer space, the garbage dump, you know. Yeah. Uh, that was a symbol. Um, Agnes Dines was an, is another uh, a superstar in, 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 in this. And uh, she was creating the cornfield, I believe, in, in, uh, in New York City, uh, these various projects. So that was very interesting. All of that work was a lot of response to the the gallery scene in new york let's get out of the gallery scene and go outside and and uh and and uh respond you know so that was uh, kind of the kernel that that we were experiencing at the time simultaneously uh the great lakes were being polluted and the sea amphrey was out of control. So there's all this stuff going on around yeah. us. And, and, you know, to get back to that. It's hard to say. I think I want to be a... I'm, well, to get back to that, you know, the, the first land artist somewhat rebelling against the gallery system hmm. was that same um, uh, feeling that, you know, we don't want to be characterized as a certain kind of artist and that's what they were they felt we don't fit in the gallery so if we don't fit in the gallery with our ideas let's just go yeah, do something else break out of the gallery most of them came from new york lots of them were grew up in the west but they came from their work in new york um to the west where they had huge landscapes to work in and um we wouldn't think of cutting holes in the earth that are, you know, miles long right now, but they were able to, <laughs> they did it back um, then. yeah, they yeah. were, they were able to yeah. do that. So, um, so that's, we consider those the, you know, the founders, yeah. they're not and really from good. there. There's many iterations. Ours is just one. And, and, and you've caught on to, uh, some of the work in our portfolio, um, remediating, we're working with the land is very important to us. So we uh, talk to people who want us to to do projects and, and we let them know that we are looking for the highest conservation value mm. that our work 
can give. So that's still kind of a question for a lot of people. Um, but it, it does boil down to sometimes a problem solution situation. Um, when, when we uh, go to a site that someone asks us to look at, and that's mostly how these things happen as people find us now. Yeah. Um, the, you know, walk the site, talk to them. And it, it takes us, you know, a couple of hours to kind of drill down to what are your concerns? When they bring an artist out, you know, they want to, here's the, Here's the, you know, places, here's the walls, and here's the mural area, and tiles, and, and, and here's the, you know, this, and are you interested in those? And, and we want to get it's back to the land. It's not appropriate. Yeah. For, uh, it, we're not looking at the plain, built yeah. environment. We're looking yeah, at the natural environment. And it's, and it's not always clear that our work is, uh, watershed based. We take a yeah. watershed approach. So one of the, uh, questions sometimes is, you know, what's, where where is the art and what what happens when you get to a place and yeah we don't get to a place never <laughs> we get to a watershed and we kind of analyze that and that's where we work with uh, conservationists or <clears throat> what what are their particular problems so w one of the things I would like you know to explain just for the listeners is and to give you guys an opportunity to explain this. What are the particular problems that you're trying to address ecologically? I mean, what are the issues that you're seeing when you go into these watershed locations? One of the main issues is uh, erosion. Okay. Um, overbuilding, uh, uh, impervious surfaces cause uh, rainwater to speed up and they all head to the creeks, so you have a, a higher speed of the water going through the creeks than you than you naturally would. Right. So uh, that rips the, the 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 stream up pretty good, and yeah. that's where it starts. And that is really where it starts because that action, um, uh, because we've built so close to our waterways, that that action sets in motion a lot of other things. Um, Invasive species, both in plants and in animals, um, uh, habitats uh, start to, to erode. Um, we we actually were working on a project, and um, we've discussed it in many ways. But what what it was is the river was dying, and um, we worked with um, conservation organizations that were going to actually have to re-engineer the river. Mm -hmm. to get it to live. I mean, it, 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 mm. it is truly, that's what they did. And it was hard for us at first when we talked to them to, to understand that until we actually got out on the land and, and saw. Yeah. That, they yeah, lift they rivers just, up. They lift, yeah. they, yeah. they dig up and lift them up. There's because they don't really go any place. You mm. can cover them up and culvert them and all kinds of stuff, but they're there because of the watershed, because of the shape of the geology. It goes down to, uh, it goes down to a stream or a tributary river uh, and so those, a lot of silt gets transported through that and covers up the spawning grounds of, uh, of spawning salmon. And, you know, so you, re you, you reduce the, you re reduce the habitat by a, a large factor. Mm. So. And it keeps going. It keeps degrading yeah, years I mean, and years and years. What's weird for us is, you know, we're, we're, we do it by hand and with a community, uh, a lot of issues that are manageable by, uh, by s small work groups, hmm. uh, erosion control, uh, in gullies, uh, small things that when you do them for, uh, several years, they, they add up and make a difference. What, what types of communities are you guys engaging with? 
Well, we've engaged with, um, we started, I think, with uh, schools. I was artist, artists in the schools uh, in Marin County and uh, at Point Reyes. Okay. And um, uh, so we started there with a school group. You know, uh, uh, seventh graders. We and tried eighth graders, based- but they were a little too antsy to go out. And, <laughs> you know, they uh, they were conscientious of each other. Uh, right. Seventh graders weren't so much. They could, uh, the boys could work with the girls. And, and this yeah. is basically, for those students, was in their backyard. But the, the project grew, and we were able to bring... Um, teens from uh, the greater Marin County area, but also San Francisco. And we had kids working with us that that had really never left San Francisco, had never seen a creek. You know, there aren't any, there are a few in San Francisco. There are not much of creeks. But, um, and so that started to build um, not only our skills, but our reputation and that we were working with various communities and the exchange with the community, not just them putting their hands on the project, but the benefits that went back and forth from uh, people who had not really had access to the land um, and and to get get in there and work with us. And and that's that's what we see. Learn what a gully is and what it does. And we explain kind of yeah. that stuff on their level. And and then we get a pro and then we do a project and yeah. and they come out again the the next week. It goes on for uh uh several weeks. And uh you know after that we have a completion and I you know like look what you've done and yeah. and with that that's how that that's that's basically how it started although you know we both had visions back uh when we were teens of of what could happen what has to happen if we are are now legislating the environment you know, we're not aware of it that much of what it's doing when we put in a, a pervious parking lot. Or, you know, a lot of those laws and rules are changing, uh, mm. you know, in, in urban design and architecture. Uh, and that's a really good thing, you know. Well, for several reasons, we populations lost connection with their lands. I mean, we see this, um, the buildup to the Dust Bowl. It was produce, 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 and you know they ruined the land and didn't know how to get it back. And so you have, um, you know, again, government initiatives sending the conservation corps out there with techniques that were simple Victorian farming mm. techniques mm. to repair mm. and care for their land and still be able to produce, produce, produce. I mean, that was the, the you know, the main cause of uh, the Dust Bowl besides climate is that they were ripping the soil out every year and replanting. Um, so a, tec- so- a technology emerged, you know, a technology emerged to uh, save soil and... And then we forgot it again in the 50s well, with, yeah, with fertilizer and yeah, with agribusiness. Yeah. And, but we went back. And that's where uh, we started our technology of bioengineering uh, was from the Conservation uh, Corps, uh, the CCC. Hmm. Um, you're saying the techniques and the technologies yeah, that the, you're using today yeah, are te- coming from. Yeah, yeah. yeah because simple, the, what we call uh, soft technology. Yeah, the yeah. geomorphologists and, and yeah. per- permaculturists across the country are advocating um, these kinds of uh, processes yeah. uh, of uh, 
of erosion control, gully, uh, gully, um, uh, uh, rebuilding a gully, uh, and all that stuff. I when I first saw that you could rebuild a gully and you could rebuild a stream and and restore it, uh, it was a fascinating idea. So yeah, I took a lot of science and worked in the. Um, I was a pilot for an oceanography vessel. Hmm. for several years for the Peralta College District. And we did a lot of studies in the Bay and uh, where the silt comes from. And that was a whole issue that later in life we uh, have a uh, we have an ongoing project. project. Those, uh, those cones over there are Bay clay. Hmm. And those oysters next to it and the one with all the oysters on it has been uh, one of our tests that uh, it, can you collect something from, uh, say, the gold rush uh, era where we just silted up the uh, bay? Can you take that and do something with that material that is a substrate for a native oyster? Hmm. And that so that works. that works rather than introducing concrete or. Or riprap, and and, and so we, you know, we get we get to you know this this timeline that it, as a population we have, and we can frequently do it every 40, 50 years. Forgotten how to take care of our land, <laughs> and as we build more built environment that surrounds that, it becomes further, apparently further less important. Yeah, until we realize, oh. There's so little left. So that that engagement is is what we do with community. Yeah, is that we ask them to come out and work with us. It's simple. We need their hands, but in exchange, they get this connection and this sense of ownership that a lot of us have forgotten or didn't know. I mean, if you grow up in um, an area where you have manicured lawns and somebody mows the lawn or not even that in an apartment, you don't really know what to do or what the land should look like. Or what's happening uh, on your watershed further downstream. You know, if you're using uh, Roundup, um, it gets washed downstream to another neighbor or it, it gets into the watershed. Right. And in our lifetime, we've all seen the signs on the drains. And so all of that all is that, a new awareness, but it's not really new. Um, it's just that we've forgotten about it. We're rediscovering it because we have to. Yeah. Is this, I mean, is the particular problem of, you know, watershed safety in particular and, and like the drainage issue, is that relatively new or is that something that has been dealt with before? I mean, because that's pretty different than like the Dust Bowl issue, right? Ecologically speaking. Well, uh, it's, it's a different similar. region. Similar. Sure. I mean, the Dust Bowl was, um, you know, it was being, they, the land was being blown away. Yeah. Right. And, and there were dry mm -hmm. lands. We just spent, you know, a couple of years ago, two years working in the desert. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things when people come out, adults, children, you know, do you know your watershed? And that's, that's difficult for a couple of populations. One, people who live in deserts <laughs> don't think they have a watershed. <laughs> right. And people who live in cities. Right. Don't think they live on the water. It's just a faster watershed because everything's concreted and the water is still right. going to roll downhill. So, um, in some places it's really appropriate to, uh, to, to, to use concrete and those materials. Yeah. Like for roads and, and it does control water. I mean, it does speed it up and it does, you know, it does bring it to the surface and then you can take it and 
spread it and sink it is the mantra of hmm. the uh, watershed scientists and uh, all permaculturists. But you had asked earlier, you just asked, is is that different than what was happening during the Dust Bowl? And, and we don't feel it is. That okay. we feel that the land is the land. And even dry land gets moisture. I mean, ergo the super bloom that everybody's going crazy over right now in Southern right. California. Right. They just don't get that much. And so when they get more than normal, wow. So we don't see that as a difference. Um, when we are asked to go to a site, we don't go with any perceived or conceived notion of, okay, where are we? Is this a watershed or is this flat or is this dry? We just go to visit it. We just go to learn about it. And then we start asking questions. And generally when we get a scientist or a conservation professional, they will understand why these two artists are put together with them. And they won't tell us about the water tower needs a mural on it or you know they'll get it i mean we've had that Some happen do, in the yeah. past you know yeah, sure. where they say that's oh not, we'll save this for the, the artist that's so, not par for the course so but. well it's a different it's a different um a whole different perception and what what the best case scenario and the only way that we can finish a project is that if we work in partnership with that person yeah. um we we had a project once that had had been a fully restored area and it was looking really good and we kind of wonder why are they bringing us out here because there really isn't a place for us. And the, they've done I mean, such a great job of re-engineering. Well, then they brought out an ornithologist and we spent the day with her learning about, yeah, the river's in good shape, but the birds aren't coming back. Why? Mm. Okay. Now we start peeling that apart and we go, that's why. And that's what some of our sessions are like. Mm. Why isn't this happening? Some things we can tackle and some things we can't. That one in Every, particular we were yeah, able there, to do. There isn't a watershed in the world that doesn't have an issue sure. of some sort. Yeah. Because, uh, and that brings us from the, what the, into the Anthropocene. So we and climate take that position that we are in that era, the geological era. And, uh, and we're, 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 are we able to function and, uh, you know, what size of the projects to really make a difference? Are there, I mean, a big difference, uh, what, uh, what kind of, what are they going to look like? You know, yeah. and, uh, with the stream restoration projects or the river restoration projects that we've worked on, uh, up in Truckee. There were, a, you wouldn't recognize the, the place. There were large bulldozers moving, uh, large rocks and rerouting the river to its, uh, to its normal, uh, morphology. Hmm. Let's get into that just a little bit. That, cause you said Truckee, it's really the Truckee River, it was the lower Truckee River outside of Reno. Okay. And back in Reno's heyday, when it was building up in, again, the 50s, 60s, they uh, decided that there were just too many floods in the city, you know, too many sure. things flooding out. And so they said, we'll, we'll straighten the river and, and that'll make it go faster and it'll get it out of town faster. Well, the, the, the river died. They straightened it so much they, that the, the river really lost its they, connection to the bank. Yeah. yeah they separated it from uh, its floodplain. 
Hmm. The floodplain is the uh, wider area. The creek runs through like this. And when you get a big flood, it goes into that plain. Sure. And it sinks down and restores the aquifers. And it takes care of the flooding situation with that sinuosity, natural sinuosity of the shape of the river. It's it's somewhat fascinating, some of these. And we had a similar situation in the south. We were working in North Carolina, and they straightened all their creeks. They have more creeks than rivers, but they do have rivers. They straightened a lot of their urban creeks because of mosquitoes. They felt the river the water runs faster, less mosquitoes. I mean, it's like didn't work either. You know? <laughs> but you've already done sounds, that. You know, you just good. wonder because right, there right. were legit people doing this, and you start to think now, are we doing the right thing now? Well, the the one the one thing that we take solace in is that when we're trying to get you know kind of get get the nature back into the box you know get it back to where it belongs um it's somewhat hubris to think that we could do that but then again <laughs> if you don't use nature to help you do that you know there's the hubris so yeah, yeah, so good. you know we've been involved in a number of project, projects where um you know, again, we're fixing it, but we're doing it in the way that this is the historic floodplain. And that's what happened on the Truckee River. They found geomorphology, fluvial geomorphology came out and found the historic floodplain and the historic meanders. And they let the river do that. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, they, they, had, they had to lower the banks and raise the river. Yeah, and they when when they first told us that we we're like really, so in all that <laughs> information, they you know we find our way. So we're not scientists, and we are not there to be scientists. But in there, we listen. We do a lot of listening. We do a lot of walking around serve that science and respond to it in our own way. Yeah, and 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 so the the question of how much of it is art and how much of it is science is really kind of something we we know. Uh, it, that's a disappointing question. Sure. Because sure, sure. it's, it's, uh, separating the two things and, um, you know, we kind of see them both as, as one thing. Uh, so is it safe to say that, um, you know, pretty much every site is, is one off or is there a fair amount of ideas that you can share, you know, from your years of learnings from doing this? Is there a lot that sort of is transportable between your different installations? It's really both. Definitely. And, 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 and when you say that, is, is every, is, is it a one-off? Well, we do have people that think that, that, that we bring things and and put them places, <laughs> and we don't right, right, really right, 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 right. bring anything. Build off site. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's amazing. It, it it's actually um, a testimony to our our abilities that they they think that this is is created in some large warehouse or studio and then it's dragged out there um i still had people think that well, in, in palo alto that, yeah. that project we did I'm, wait let me finish <laughs> but i know this, this is going to be the biggest thing is us you know because we do get you, you got us revved oh, up it's now. great it's great <laughs> um that it, it's both so it's it's you know a one-off but then we've learned so much from past projects that we not Learned about that particular site, but we've learned the questions to ask, right? The uh, the 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 lids to lift to find where an artist can actually engage in the problem, and and that's what we've learned from doing it for years and years. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. You know that we've learned, but but everything's well, different. You know, so yeah. one of your questions well, let, was let, how do things how do things 
look? How can we describe what things look like? Well, it's describing all the different places we've worked, the right, seashore, right, right. the mountains, the rivers, the right. desert. It would be describing that. And right. that's... It, it would be just, yeah, it would be like, um, they're, they're like, uh, handmade objects that uh, are constructed there on site in most, most, most situations. And when you see them a year later, they are different. They, they, you, you can see the uh, environment interacting with it. Um, I don't know where this goes, but well, we don't we don't subscribe to. Oh, well, is the art now gone? <laughs> you know, yeah, because right. the birds are back. Is the art still there? Right. Yeah. We, it loses we look at it as a continuum. Yeah. It, yeah. It loses its identity as a handmade object. And as the restoration process is established, the artist's presence is, is, is no longer felt. Mm. You know, it, it diminishes. So in that, we are, we are diligent about th that idea. And, uh, that's where the, what is art and what is science just goes out the window. Yeah. Cause we see a continuum. Yeah. In that, we fit into that continuum where for us, the the art practice the art making is a process from the right. the day we're stumbling around trying to you know figure out what happened here um to years later when um people say well I, I can't see your art anymore oh yes it's there because what what we want the art to do is integrate with whatever system we built it into yeah and once it's fully you know, assumed into that, um, it's pretty exciting for us. We, we, yeah. we have, uh, we, we get fans when these different projects and, uh, you know, social media is great in that way and that we have them share, Hey, was that your project the other day? And here's what it looks like now, or yeah. this is growing or this bird was found there. And, um, that's all part of that community involvement, community engagement and community ownership. So, it's theirs. We don't come back and oh, gee, we got to fix something. Yeah, we go back to visit and photograph. So, so I am curious though. You know, uh, so the point that it's difficult to sort of disambiguate the art from the science is well heard. I definitely understand that, and yet, you know, there is there's a reason that you call yourselves artists. There's a reason. Um, you know, there is, I think, a, a difference in the scientific mindset to solving a problem and the creative mindset to solving a problem, right? Um, there's, and so I'm curious, you know, for, for both of you, what is sort of the creative satisfaction? What is the part that makes you feel the most like an artist? Is it, is it hmm. sort of the community interaction and being able to share this, um, this giant idea with people? Is there some part of the sheer aesthetic of rebuilding a landscape? Like, what is it that sort of scratches the creative itch for you that you wouldn't call yourselves an artist? Or, a, I'm sorry, a scientist? I would say, like, in the... Uh, well, one of the things is, uh, let's say we had the same criteria as uh, a conservation uh, crew. Sure. To solve a problem, we have both had the same information, right? And we uh, we research that in depth, what that what that is. Um, 
and I don't mean to say this is the art, but but for me, it really does scratch scratch a lot of it out when uh, we're given the same information as another organization, but the work when you see it has uh, has this aesthetic potency is what we want to see. Yeah. Um, and when you look at it, you can see there's a hidden agenda here. And to create that, to bring that into existence, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the, you know, the, the conservationists that, that are building theirs over there, they can really call, you can really call restoration as a, still an art. You know, it's, it's, it's still an art. You, you know, there's a lot of science. Sure. But, sure. But sure. It's still sure. an art. And, yeah. they, and they're doing it. They're doing it over there. So they're, you know, that's how they're, they're practicing. For us, it's, uh, the interaction and, uh, taking the same, uh, information, uh, solving problems as they go along, uh, getting a community involved in one way or another, whether that's a municipality or a, uh, citizen group. And the outcome really appears that uh, it has this hidden agenda. What's going on? Something is happening with this right here. Something's mm. going on. And you may say that about the other one, too. But you're going to look at this one and go. <laughs> well, and the community gets it right yeah. away. Come on. It's amazing because it is our land. I mean, we, we do work in um, public art. And our, our, our recent project was on public lands. And so not only do we have a lot of community with us, but people who walked by. Um, and we get, we you know, we get people who volunteer themselves. You know, they, they recruit themselves. Are you referring and, to the uh, residency at the uh, yeah, we city of Palo Alto? Yeah, we were, um, last uh, year, we were um, artists in residence for the city of Palo Alto. And we actually worked on a project, but we also worked on a uh, master plan for environmental art on public lands in uh, Palo Alto. What would that look um, like? And uh, because of our experience. So we did a little bit of both. Um, and I, I'm not so sure that um, an artist's viewpoint and an artist's approach to this kind of work is analytically that much different than a scientist. There's definitely different skill sets that are developed. Um, but uh, when we get on a wavelength with a scientist, it becomes very easy um, sure. if if that door's open and and it, for us to do a project it has to be open so it becomes well, yeah. it becomes somewhat e easy in that they understand once we start a dialogue and once we start um, throwing out some situations some ideas ah we are we are approaching the same situation different so first of all we we acknowledge what they know and they can tell us and then in uh, our different iterations, proposals, the work we do, they can see uh, what we're capable of. But that trust and that camaraderie ha happens very early on. And, um, it's, and that's why science yeah. is important and, in yeah, what I we mean, do. I mean, the truth of the matter yeah. is it doesn't always happen. Right. Um, you know, that's, uh, most times it just soon you go away and leave them alone. Do right. What they do. They, right. Right. Well, there's want, also when we see that with the folks we that. work with that restoration science at this juncture in our civilization has to be expedient. There is so much of it yes. to do. 
Yeah. Um, they're paid employees that are doing it. Yeah. Um, we're not yet, you know, uh, doing that on our very channelized segmented lands. I mean, when we were younger, we met people who were trying to work their land and bring the beavers back and re-sculpt the land, but um, it's almost not happening anymore. So we that's do work with so, these. That's why citizen engagement is so uh, a, 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 a important component for the education and that you did this, you built this, you yeah. you created this thing that's go- that you can stand back and look at it and you can see Birds attracted to it. You can see their, you can can see their scat all over. You know, you know what's happening with it. Well, and that hands on, I think that, you know, um, mind memory, um, does different things to different people, but there hasn't been a project that we haven't been in that someone didn't bring, bring down their kid, their parents, their friends said, look it, I worked on this. Um, that's what we see, but what we know is, is that engagement with the community and it, you know, that borders on social practice art. Um, but that engagement with the community in that way, um, because we do leave, we don't live there. We, we do leave this to them um, yeah. that there's that great bit of ownership and, and um, there's lots of benefits from that. Um, so that's kind of the excitement with us is, um, is that once something is finished, we realize as soon as it's finished, it's starting to change. So there's the power of the environment that it's in that takes it. Yeah. And we consider that all part of the process, all part of the art process. So when we go back to some place that we did a couple of years ago to uh, a work we did in Pasadena, California, um, you could hardly see it except we knew what was there because right. what was there was what the scientist who walked the land with us 10 years ago said, this is what we need here. And, yeah. And this is what it and, will look like. Yeah. Uh, if you do, if you do what you do, this is what it will look like in 10 years. This is what and will happen, yeah. That's when we that's when we pretty much got confirmed that uh scientists were uh magicians. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, many this has happened to us several times where uh if you do this over here, there'll be a uh sediment bank uh, beach over here, yeah, and you can see it, it you now in literature that is is written and ha- has been uh, in in the field for many years. Of what what uh, different shapes are they? You know, there's ID for any kind of uh, creek situation or mm. how they run. There's a there's a there's a there's a uh, uh, information on that and enough study done that it's it's being passed on now. Yeah. It, re- restoration is, you know, by nature brutal and it, it doesn't look real good right away. Not but yet. then again, yeah. some of the situations we were in as a, as a land, um, were brutal. I'm, I'm just thinking since we're talking Southern California, uh, the, uh, Los Angeles River, um, I grew up knowing that that was a dry cemented passageway i mean it, it sure. i mean it was just n- nothing there apparently in the 30s there was so you know because there's so much building and and floods in california only happen so often um there was so much loss of life that the city and county said that's it concrete the entire channel so 140 miles of concrete was put in in about two years i think it's 140 miles mm-hmm. along the los angeles river it was completed in two years so how, how do you turn the that backwards 
I mean, you know, yeah, they're trying to do it now. You know, I mean, yeah, how do you? I mean, it's going on twenty years. Yeah, in in the, in the planning. Right I'm talking now. about it, yeah, yeah, in planning it. Yeah, it was. It's it's happening. We were we were we we were down there working with a an organization and the state parks on a, a part to do to do some work down there and and uh, so it's you know it's a ha- it's happening and, and there's a lot of literature the last child in the woods is is one of them sure uh you know they're just they're they're, they're there all the time and we don't know to what end we don't know to what end Right. But yeah, I mean, are we ever, are we trying to put it back you gotta into the box you know? it was in, or are we just trying to make it livable? And there was a good reason they concreted the L.A. River is because there was loss of life because mm-hmm. everybody wanted sure. to be on the river, so everybody built on the river. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and right. yeah, it, I mean, it's funny. It, it it does seem like you know, just judging from your. Uh, <laughs> your own reactions, which obviously our listeners are just going to have to take my word for, but it, it it seems like the moment you get the most excited for is the moment that you can look at a space and say, our work here has disappeared and thus we've achieved what we're trying to do. Is that sort of the end goal for what you're trying to do? Is it really, um, you know, first install and then remove <laughs> in the long term? Well, we don't do we don't, any removing. They, they, we don't so, remove anything. Right. But nature, you know, yeah, the, but, the landscape but, takes over and right. the artist's hand disappears. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, but to me, that's the, is that's the culmination of the art piece. Right. Is that I can go down and see a 50-foot tree and go, wow, 15 years ago yeah. when we had these Conservation Corps youngsters here helping right. us with this. And we were hoping we got enough rain that year. And then you come back and I mean, we've been back many times, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, that's success yeah. in our work. So we still I see the art. We still, I still see the art there because I know what went into it. And, and it a lot is, of them are not, you know, you, we've had uh, curators walk uh, some of one of our projects that we were working on in Point Reyes for, for 12 years I uh, had a curator walk through us and, and we we got about a half mile in and we had passed uh three, four, five projects. Right. Until we got to the one that I really wanted to, you know, show him how it worked. And uh that's you know, that's a success. We don't really wanna we don't wanna build Karen's and objects and stick them in the environment. Uh you know, I know artists have done that before and they still do it, you know. Uh, and some of it's really cool, uh, but yeah. most of it is just uh, visual garbage. You know, it's it's uh, vandalism. It's visual vandalism. There's no permission to go nature, yeah. along the lake or the stream and start, you know, building a small little community of rocks stacked on top of each other because they're inspired by some other artist who does that really more masterful than they do. Well, right. I mean, and, and I think a lot of people when they do go out and say, oh, this would be cool. A lot of people like to play with sticks and stones and all of that. <laughs> and not every stick and not every stone that you touch is going to cause damage. Of course not. But... You know, well, are you picking the flower from the only little manzanita bush that's growing there? <laughs> you know, I mean, how do you know what you're doing? We we talked to somebody and the guy was, some artist was doing rock stacking and the fly fisherman came down, had to disabuse him of 
the information, you know, of, of the fact that you, you, <laughs> you're killing the mayflies by picking yeah. the rocks out of the yeah. creek. You yeah, know? Attach the, the, those He's rocks. decorating the creek. What does it need yeah. decorating? So I think that's the, that's, that's, that's the, uh, that's, that, that, that's the line that, um, we, we see is, uh, a, a much of what is called environmental art now is really, uh, objects really decorations on the land yeah. and big bold statements and and uh but have no rhyme or reason for for being there in a uh in in the world that we find ourselves now right you know there was a time when when that was uh inspiring and different you know in a direction that artists took and they had a good good reason to do it right and it, and it, and it caught on you know and those artists now are still still doing uh, their work, uh, which is really fine. Um, but it uh, it uh, it's it's a line right there of of you know it's so tempting to be working outside and picking up rocks and and brush you know and we do it on the beach all the time it's really cool right but for us it's it. You know that that's making shelter on the beach. So those are really primal things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but uh, decorating uh, 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 decorations are uh, when they without are, a rhyme and a reason, and they are are, some, are really just uh, uh, frivolous. <laughs> well, they are somewhat well, primal because people, as you yeah. the two examples, you're you know making patterns in the sand, and ma- that that was in 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 some contexts important for wayfinding, et cetera. I mean, sure. we uh, we're big mm. canoeists, and we see a lot of the pictographs that were really signals that we don't even understand yet. That what were the Native Americans doing? What were they signaling? What were they telling us? Mm. Um, those days are gone. You know, we've overdeveloped n- n- our lands. So now we have to look at it a little bit different. And, and I, you know, we can see that people reach back to that kind of engaging with the land. And if, and if you've, you know, taken a bus out to the beach and you're going to meet a guy that's going to tell you how to stack, uh, stones, you know, you think you're doing something. Um, we just find that those days are kind of gone because there's there's too many of us and there's too many of us doing that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. in the and name of I'm helping and, and we're not much. helping yeah. yeah sure and on those state beaches and and uh, national park beaches it's you're not supposed to take anything you're not supposed to pick anything up right. and put it in your pocket or any, nothing not even a tooth from a cow right yeah. what well, so I'm curious you know I think. In general, in the news, um, you know, people are are hearing more about ecological crises. Um, I think for everybody, whether it's scientists, artists, or otherwise, um, it's daunting, right? These feel like enormous problems. Yeah. Is this ever something that we can ever figure out? That's is what this, the scientists are saying too. You know, is are yeah. we past the point of no return? All of that stuff. And, you know, I guess the question I have is, what role do you think artists or creative people have or can have in um, finding some way to sort of chip away at this monolithic problem? Well, that's why they're artists. They have to bring something that doesn't exist right now into existence and respond to those kinds of things. I mean, I can't tell them yeah. what to do. Yeah. I just, they're just doing it for a 
ourselves. Well, but also that, art, artists do, I do believe that artists look or have the ability, they develop it, to look at um, the world stimulus cause and effect differently. Um, and that's, um, that's where our, uh, our value can be. And that's also stumbling blocks for artists. But, you know, it, it's hard to stay true to that. It's hard to keep on that edge, to, to look at, um, a situation with fresh aesthetics, with f- fresh ideas rather than let me get my bag out and my tricks are in there. Um, and so in it, well, with anybody and, um, study any of the, the masters and their different periods of their art and why did they change? Um, so I, I think that's, one part of it, but to say that a segment of a population can actually put this mess back together or lead the way is um, is not practical, and um, it's a big mess we're in right say, now. And a lot yeah, well, I mean, it's hubris to think that we could engineer this, and. Uh, we won't be putting it back. Right. No. It will take a, a, a different shape and form. We will lose uh, dozens of species that we know of right now. They'll be gone, and they won't be coming back. Right. Um, even if we change things tomorrow, they just we're just in a in a in a cycle, you know. Um, so. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> Where are um, we? Well, it, it, we have a lot of people that, you know, you, you know, fix the world or, you know, you yeah, saving yeah, the world. And, yeah. it, and you know, we really, we really, we you know, um, yeah, it, it is. It's like a drop in the bucket. But it, it why, why we do it is beyond that. And we're not evangelizing anything. Yeah. But we've seen what happens when people work with us and what happens to them and what catches on and it's different than what happens when you go to a gallery or museum and you see photographs of strip mining or, you know, drone shots of, you know, destruction. And those are beautiful, actually, the photographs, but it's a beautiful <laughs> horror. Right. So that's we a, have a thing going on. Yeah, we have a thing going on with when people come out and work with us. It's just a little more subtle. But what does happen is that memory of actually getting your hands dirty, mm-hmm. making something, fixing something, hard work, um, you know, really coming out of there dirty for whatever reasons. Or there's not. there's a muscle memory there. There's a mind memory there that people um, are in touch with something that mowing your lawn and growing a garden doesn't do. Yeah. Um, so it's no, we're not going to fix big fix big stretches of rivers or lands, but we we are you know with community going to let them know there is hope here. Uh, we can't take all our houses away, and we can't suddenly knock down cities, and we can't change. Uh, uh, well, solutions, but there are things that we can change. Well, yeah, uh, you have to factor in uh, political will, sure, uh, awareness of uh, the community at large and the demographic. Hmm. Uh, all all of those things are uh, different sciences are different sciences that don't have. Well, they do have a lot to do with uh, 
environmental science. Uh, but without that, without that political will, without somebody saying we've got to do do this, or, you know, on board, it, and, and you know, we're gonna limp along. You know, right? Uh, uh, we we. Uh, for me, the exciting part is to come back and and see the piece, the works uh, uh, being used. You know, observing them and then coming back again, and they're they're less and less apparent. You know, and and some stay there. You know, in some form for ten years. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and serve serve the uh, microorganism communities that birds feed on so that's what excites us is is let's let's go here and let's then let's reverse engineering everything yeah reverse it and then uh and uh and and start there yeah i I think there's also a bit one of the projects we were have been working on is kind of a self-initiated project is um trying to bring the native we talked about it or the native oyster back to san francisco bay and at first glance people say, well are they good eating well, well that's not why we're bringing them back sure. um we're bringing they were good eating actually but um <laughs> we're bringing them back because they're shoreline protection and they help uh, preserve the, the 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 shore they they break the fall for they break the the force for the eelgrass etc you go to this all, whole yeah. you go into this whole they complicated thing clean. and you suddenly lose people but what, you know the reason we're we're doing that is because um that is going to have to happen. We're going to have to protect our shoreline. So as, as citizens, what do we want? Let's just concrete walls. Is that what we want? Big, because con- that'll work and that'll be fast. And that's and what's it'll being do designed it. right now. And, and 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 rightfully so. We should have a backup. I mean, we should have that as our hopefully a backup plan. Plan and C. As these, yeah. <laughs> as these plans develop, which they there there are a lot of plans coming out right now. How to how to do this. As they develop, uh, there is an, a, an aesthetic uh, a, a, the, uh, that the shoreline we feel, uh, you know, can't all be concrete. And I don't think there's any intention of ever making it all concrete. No, but when I what I was getting at is, um, and, and and we tapped into it at, at, at some community meetings where people will, you know, the engineer will tell, okay, this is what we're going to do in the neighborhood or the school or the campus or whatever. And we've been there where people have raised, but when can we get involved? So, so people yeah. want to, even if they're not living on that land, they want to get engaged with this is ours. So how do you, how do you help people have that ownership and that, um, that that assertiveness then to say okay we understand that there's you know we we vote on a lot of these uh funding measures and we you know i'm not saying we're changing that but why shouldn't people be more engaged with how to fix this mess and how they want it to look like and that is one thing that our oyster project does in in one of its aspect is somewhat of a demonstration of what do you want to look at yeah, um, you know, eventually we're not going to have a choice at what we want to look at. Right. It's, it, we really aren't. So why not engage? And it's not always going to be what you want, but why not get engaged in that? And then when you get that knowledge, you, people start realizing, oh, maybe there's a reason this has happened. Um, 
and there's just more public awareness. So we, we try to do that with some of our projects and the oyster reef is one of them because it's all hand built. It's small scale. It's not meant to replace big concrete, uh, reef balls or, or walls or any of that. It's meant to let people think, what do you want your shorelines to look like? Because mm. there might be, or what do you want your property or what do you want your, your campsites or your valleys to look like? Cause maybe we have a chance to kind of start saving some of that. Yeah. It's going to take a massive effort, I think. And I think that's where we're kind of, you know, caught in this universe of what is going to happen? You know, when is the breaking point? And many scientists say, you know, we're past the breaking point or the breaking point will be in five years, five years, we can get it together in five years. <laughs> yeah. We right, can get right, the, right. uh, we can get the, uh, intentions together but let's not get them too late right, right, right we don't know and we don't and nobody knows what what kind of world we're going to leave behind yeah you know nobody knows what that's going to be two or three Wait. centuries it's not going to be the same it's not going to uh, be the kind of birds we look at right now we won't be necessarily catching the kind of fish that we right. go out to fish for uh there'll be replacements or you know yeah so we're caught up into that universe and, and, uh, and it gets, uh, it, it gets overwhelming, you know. Well, it, so we can come back down to base and, and, and do a project and, uh, at least feel that as, as citizens, we can, uh, we can, we can do something. I mean, the other end of it is there's billions, billions of dollars in, uh, available in environmental art projects, in mm. just the creative arts. Sure. And, and as, uh, uh, you know, through, through these podcasts and, you know, educating uh, a public, uh, th those, <clears throat> all of those, uh, what was I saying? All of the, uh, <laughs> the, the art economy is what you're really talking about. The art about, economy yeah. is, is spilling over now into the uh, the uh, science that we we're in this process of uh, this art organization wants to fund us to work with this uh, science uh, group, hmm. and uh, there are those grants available. There's that kind of money available where an artist can go to a community. And say, I, I have my own funding and, you know, or go to a, a, a park and find the conservationists and learn the issues and say, I have my own funding. I can work with you on this and I can, uh, I can generate enough, enough people to come in and, and yeah. get this done. So, so there's, there's, there's money being, being, being pushed this way in the arts. Well, and there's a, uh, a definite recognition now there's and and that's why when you you ask us you know your your science work differently than artists and and definitely they do and definitely we will continue to but when those two disciplines or any disciplines and we're in a place here where most artists here in the headlands are are interdisciplinary not all but many of them are bringing in different disciplines to express 
their art. And so the world is getting that way too, you know, and we see it as we rely heavily on science to do our work. Um, we see that exchange as nothing but good. I mean, in many ways, and we, you know, we see it with other artists in other fields doing a combination. And um, I don't know, I think, you know, you get to a, a Renaissance area, but, um, you know, highly developed civilizations and societies actually did that where they integrated their culture, their science, mm -hmm. um, you know, their engineering. We're all integrated. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We've said yeah, that. Imagine a, you know, imagine a culture <laughs> like ours and in and, and the, and the world as it stands right now. And we, uh, as a practice, um, we, uh, we are aware of dealing with water. We are aware of watersheds and how to manage them with in, with pervious surfaces and recharging aquifers. And we have this water, just, you know, these, we, we sell, we're celebrating water and there's artists making art or there's architects building homes and, and, uh, buildings that are responsive to this. And that spills out into other, other in environments, other ecologies. You know, how do you see this in a regional way? Um, imagine, and, imagine that. And I think when, when you t start to think of what a world can be like, it, uh, it <clears throat> this planet's nice. It's a nice <laughs> place to be. And I don't think going to Mars or Venus or any place else is going to, I, I, I appreciate and I support the, uh, adventure and the discovery. Uh, I'm not ready to think about living up there outside of the discovery idea. And, you yeah. know, uh, you don't want to leave home yet. <laughs> yeah, it's nice here. It's a nice home. I just want to work on it and, and take care of it. And, we, and, and what fuels that? And just one thing that we like to share is um, we've had the great privilege. Um, older adults, but we've had the, a great privilege of actually being able to enjoy wilderness in a big way when we were younger. And um, we we learned um, a lot by spending weeks, you know, away from, um, you know, a developed campsite. Um, and there was great benefit and great joy from that. And it's not that we're trying to save all bit of wilderness, but we we do feel that people in a connection in any way with the land, um, just have great benefits. It's, it's a, an aspect of, of life that we've lost in this century, um, started to lose, lose it in the last century. And, and we feel that it's something that needs to be, uh, uh, it, then we need to be as humans, you know, do we need to be in touch with that? And I think everybody, you know, this whole lost child or last child in the woods, we learned about that years ago, right after the, the author wrote that. And it was really hard for at least me to realize that children, we had, we had a, a group of kids, a real smart guy that came out with us. He was so independent and uh, we just took a liking to him right away. <laughs> and when we sat down for lunch, he pulled out his hand sanitizer and and we were really shocked. We, we were really surprised, this little boy, you know. And, you know, Daniel and I barely even take our gloves off when we're, you know, grabbing a sandwich, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, after a few days, he was getting as dirty as we were. Yeah. And he relaxed on that. And I had nothing against the hand sanitizer, but we realized, oh, 
That's right. We're a little more processed than way we grew up. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. that's some of it that, again, we're, we're, we're not trying to convert everybody, but we, we know that privilege. We know that honor that we had as young people to be able to go out into the woods. Yeah. Um, Get your hands into the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing about that is w- wonder. Wonder is, is, is different for an adult than it is for a child. And, um, I think it's really potent for a child. Uh, for an adult, it's, uh, we can, in, we intellectualize it and, right, uh, take it apart and, uh, try to figure it out. No, that's interesting. And, you know, <clears throat> so, so I think that, that those kinds of ideas have some impact on a, a, a you know, a younger, a, a younger a generation that has wondered, you know, and yeah. has experienced it. And they can, they can, they, it right. still happens. I mean, right. wonder is going to happen whether we right. are uh, e- ecologically viable or not. <laughs> but it's right. easy exactly. to lose it as an adult, you know, and, and so mm-hmm. it is fun to work with children, um, uh, especially when we have mixed groups, because, um, <laughs> You, you see young kids who have gotten it and they're out there and the adults kind of want to follow after them. And that's another um, exciting uh, aspect of it is that it's, um, it's, we're all very equal out there. Yeah. Um, uh, it just works that way. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, giving me your time. I think um, you, it, I, I love talking to artists because, you know, uh, I, I like I said, I recognize that you guys don't like to disambiguate your creative work from the more technical aspects of it. But I do think that there's something, um, you know, these are the things that an artist thinks about is how do you instill wonder in a child and how do you connect a human to the land around them? You know, that's something that's not that not that scientists can't think about that, but that is definitely something that artists do very well. And I think that, um, you know, from my perspective, because artists think so much about message and how people respond to things, um, you know, that has as good a chance as any at actually um, motivating people to make the changes that, that we need to be making over, over the next several years to see if there's going to be any kind of turnaround here. But, uh, but I'm, I'm extremely grateful for your time. It has been awesome to be out here at the Headland center of the arts. The studio is beautiful. Um, I encourage our listeners, if you're in the San Francisco area, please check out this place. And also how can people follow along with the work that you guys are doing? Watershedsculpture.com. Yeah. So our moniker is Watershed Sculpture and we're on Facebook and Instagram as that. And our website is watershedsculpture.com. Nice. And um, we post there as often as we can. So. So please follow them uh, on all your favorite social outlets and check out their website. But before I let you two go, we usually do a little rapid fire section at the end here. Just a little getting to know you questions. And I won't I won't make them super cheesy because we've had a heavier conversation today. I'll keep them oh, appropriate. I hope not. But <laughs> maybe that's what we need. Yeah, maybe it's what we need. <laughs> yeah, fire away. Away. Wonder, How are we going to do this with yeah. two of us? Yeah. Oh, just fire away. Just okay. whatever comes well, he out. He has asked a question first. So. <laughs> so how'd you guys meet? We met um, on a project. At a creek. Uh, yeah, a creek project. Yeah. <laughs> in San Francisco, one of the last two creeks that actually has water in it. And um, the rest is history, yeah. 
the rest is history. What what advice would you two have for young artists that are trying to come up and do some similar things? Persistence. And, yeah. It's and, trying uh, to get on the sites, try to volunteer. Um, volunteering the, is, 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 we've got a lot of projects through volunteering. Right. And when I met Daniel, you volunteer he was actually, until they start paying you. And, uh, you know, it's one way to, well, it, I would suggest. it is true because there's times that if the project is interesting, we're asked to come and check it out. And, and it, you don't put a cork in it at that point. It's like, as soon as we see the land, it just never stops. And yeah. the two of us are on the way home and it's, we're talking yeah. and we wake up in the morning. Right. And, um, but we have both of us, um, been able to develop work by volunteering. Yeah. That's great. So. Uh, we don't do it now because people volunteer for us, but um, it, it, uh, for any artist who's doing public or land art, um, it's difficult to get access. It's yeah. really difficult, yeah. as we talked about yeah. earlier. Ephemeral, uh, ephemeral works are uh, wonderful ways to explore those avenues, you know. And, you know, if you're in a public park, you can always uh, dismantle or, or put something in your backyard. Put something even, in your you backyard, know. you know. Yeah. And, uh, uh, oh shoot! There's a lot of ecological things that you know one person can can do, and as an artist, you take that information and and bring something that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, spin it, twist it, come up with something interesting. Well, I will yeah. say one last thing for the you know we've absolutely slowed down Andrew's rapid fire, but <laughs> um, all right, um, <laughs> go camping, go out there, yeah. you know, pick the yeah. camp. And we try to do that. I mean, we used to be. Um, van life for a long time where we could easily just jump out but um we do it's, it, it renews us just to go outdoors so what well, so well to piggyback on that then what is your one dream location that you would love to work that you haven't yet oh wow um we uh, have we have worked in a lot of dream locations Boy, the last time when someone asked that question i said something and we actually worked <laughs> In that area, Cincinnati, a year later, it was like yeah. magic. I said, oh, I want to go back to the Great, I, uh, great Lakes. Please. I remember that. I said, yeah. I said I wanted to work in Paris or oh, maybe <laughs> someplace in Europe would be yeah. uh, really cool. Oh, that's too, a good one. Or okay. Asia. Um, I wouldn't mind Alaska. Alaska has so much land now, and you know, Alaska looks like a lot of our lands two centuries ago, but. Yeah. It'll all change. So you know, I mean, uh, along with that question is, you know, we really don't uh, have to go any place. Uh, yeah. Ideal, ideal is right here in our yeah. uh, backyard, fixing our uh, rainwater drains so that we have enough uh, water to water our plants in the summer, all summer long. There you go. Yep. No, no better life than that to be happy where you yeah. are. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dan, Mary, thank you so much. Uh, and listeners, check out our show notes. We'll have all the links there. Um, and please follow along. This has been another awesome episode of State of the Art. Great. Thank you. Thank you, State of the Art. As always, listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode of State of the Art. And uh, if you like what we're doing here at State of the Art, or if you like this episode, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Five-star reviews are always great. That's the most helpful thing you can do to help us, to help us grow, and to find other awesome listeners that like the same things you do. So thank you so much again, and I hope you tune in next week for another episode of State of the Art.